Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Happy New Year. I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 17th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Good evening. I'm Natalia Galvin, tonight's guest co-anchor. From the International Marie Claire editor, Rachel Epstein, wrote that it's not enough to demand justice for a week and simply move on. If we want to make real change in this country, the United States, that change needs to be reflected in our leaders, starting at the local level. Black people are tired, but are dedicating themselves to their communities and their country, consistently putting in the work to remind us that Black lives have and always will matter. To this end, we are delighted to have two exceptional Black individuals who are either serving in public office or aspiring to serve in public office. And with us, we have Jennifer Crossley, a woman of first. She was the first Black woman to chair the Monroe County Democratic Party. And now, effective December 19th, she is the first Black woman to serve on the Monroe County Council. And we are all beaming with pride, if you could see us. <laughs> we also have Isak N.T. Asari, a faculty member at Indiana University and is a candidate for U.S. House of Representatives in Indiana's 9th Congressional District. In addition to his scholarly work at IU, Isak is an advocate for affordable health care, a National Economic Bill of Rights, and a Federal Bill of Digital Rights. Councilwoman Crosley and Professor Asari, welcome to Bring It On. Thank y'all for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Well, thank you for affording us time on your busy whirlwind schedules. I think you both are the busiest <laughs> people in the world. Uh, and, and Jennifer, wow, I can't say enough for what you are doing. Uh, the trailblazing and the accolades that are coming your way. Um, people are, are taking note of Jennifer Crossley. It's not that you're great because you came from Gary, Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, it, it's what you're doing because you came from. No, no, it's because you <laughs> have a passion to make change and you're a catalyst for change. And for that, we salute you. And uh, Professor Isak Ntiasari, um, you're the most busiest man at Indiana University. You're directing all types of offices related to cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and you have a passion to sort of get in politics to frame policy around these hotbed issues and that, you know, our country, corporations, us as individuals have been attacked and hijacked and some have had, unfortunately, ransomware to all types of viral uh, uh, incidents on the net. But you're a man that, that has a vision to make change. And you also want to hear a little bit later about some startup uh, things that you've done. But I want to turn our, our attention first back to our uh, our woman of the hour, who most recently there was a wonderful HT article on her, and it talked about uh, her passion, passion. And I guess that article, if I had to sum it up, it would read, every time I think about it, I just kind of pinch myself because I never in my wildest dreams have ever thought of doing anything 
like this. What are they talking about, Jennifer? So, yeah, all of the above, because if you would have told me, I would dare to say probably like four years ago, um, if I would have been in this position, I would have been like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. and even this year, dare I say a few months ago, I definitely would have said no way, no how, uh, especially experiencing um, the unexpected loss of my father. It kind of took me by the loop. Then I also felt reignited after all of that and just decided, why why not me? Um, And just decided that I was just going to be something that I wanted to do. And here I am. So I'm, I'm excited. So yes, benching myself. Yes. And also realizing that, you know, now the real work definitely begins. In that article, uh, it, it talks about you now practicing that life balance that we're all trying to practice. Uh, mother, wife, uh, politician, and then busy in your, in your vocational life too. And, and you want to add this to your plate. And well, you've taken one thing off your plate. Now you're substituting it with something else. How do you strike that balance? So I have a really, really good core group of community um, within uh, my friend circle. And I will tell you that I have a really, really great group. Um, My family is amazing. My husband, I could not do this without him. And I would say that he has been a a rock for me, even when I felt like I couldn't do it. uh, He definitely has helped tremendously for me and and has given me some tough love and some things to think about. And we've had some times where we go back and forth. And then our children, um, who are 14, 9, and 7, Sydney, Mason, and Kendall, they are now older and they've been able to do things a little bit more self-sufficient, but they still need mom. So we just know that that is something that we um, are trying to do together and we, we balance it and we just, you know, we talk about things that need to happen and we just, we will make the time. Um, and like I said, with the core group of good friends, like Natalia is a really good friend of mine. Um, she has been amazing and will send text messages even from afar. Um, so like with people like her and other people, I could not do this without community. So I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just the shell, but I could not do this without my community that has been uplifting me and encouraging me along the way. So full disclosure, besides us being longtime friends, right? Um, I've known you have been amazing and, a, and a, an amazing leader in our community. The first time I heard you speak, which was a Moms Demand Action speech. Uh, oh, yeah. You gave a, a mom's demand action speech that was just so touching and uh, and so impactful. And to kind of uh, piggyback off your first answer about um, the work, right? So getting, I know you just have one, your first uh, county council uh, meeting, which was uh, very interesting. Much <laughs> very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Under your belt. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what do you look for? What are some of the issues that you look forward to kind of tackling? in 22 with the county or um you know what what are some priorities of yours um with the county position yeah so lots to think about and so my biggest thing from day one is to make sure that we are serving all community members and it's not just necessarily you know those voting community members 
but also those who are marginalized and those that aren't able to help themselves. And I'm very, very passionate and very dedicated to helping those that are experiencing homelessness and substance use disorders, all of those different things. So I'm, I'm very passionate about that. Um, a, a big thing for me is why do we not have a low barrier shelter, a permanent one? And we were able to do that last year with the pandemic. And we know that, you know, with funds and, and um, staff and all of those things are making a challenge. However, it's, it's like in this progressive community that we live in, or we say that is progressive, why do we not have these things? Why can't we give people um, just, you know, some human decency and, and something? Why can we not work together? So my biggest thing is to see how county and city or county alone, we have ARPA funds that we would be able to use. And a lot of, you know, buildings that aren't being used, why can we not do that? So my biggest thing is trying to make sure that we can do something like that. Um, and then also working with the, our criminal justice system here, because we know that's on the horizon is possibly a new jail that um, might be being built here in our community. And we know that, is that something that we need? Um, we know that we can't have people living inhumane, but we also know that when we build bigger, we fill it with more people. So that definitely is one thing. And then um, another big thing is Bloomington, the city of Bloomington does a really good job with, um, you know, climate change and Italia has definitely worked on that. And I would like to see how we can do that with our county as well, because the county, we don't have any programs or anything like that. And so just trying to better and, and foster those relationships to make, you know, the county a better place. Yeah, no, for sure. So definitely just to piggyback off that, um, fostering those relationships and collaborations. I know one of the coolest things that I was um, a part of was that, um, uh, and, and we Zoomed with her, with the Frat Bafferman uh, early yeah. uh, in December, right, of last year, mm -hmm. um, a little bit around this time saying, how can we help? And I remember that effort that her and um, that Frat and Tina put together, right, that really brought um, the uh, commissioners and county council and city council, the mayor's office, uh, community leaders, Beverly, just uh, all hands on deck, nonprofit workers. Do you see more of that? Like, do you hope for more of those like cross efforts when you're talking about like collaborations to work on some of these big issues? Yeah, definitely. And I think we need to have it happen. Um, I don't think that, I think we're more alike than we are different. And our avenues and how we get to those, that final destination of trying to, you know, have a, a shelter or create more homes for those that are experiencing homelessness or affordable housing. Our avenues are different, but our final destination and the issue is folks don't have places to go. It rent is really, really high here. And so I do believe that, you know, all personalities aside, we can we can do this and we can work together because we should go after the issues and not the people. Now, if issues aren't being something that we're talking about or or they're not getting listened to more, then yes, we got to put the heat on the people. And if that means that that's something that will have to happen with me, uh, so be it. I've taken this challenge on knowing that this is something that 
people aren't going to always necessarily agree with things that I do or things that I vote for. And if, you know, pressure needs to be put on me for certain things, then go for it. I, that's what, you know, being a public servant and holding these types of positions entail. Uh, thank you for that, Jennifer. And we're going to come back and we're going to revisit that, but I want to turn attention to ESOC, if I may uh, um, refer to you as ESOC. I could call you the eminent scholar, Dr. ESOC, N.T. Asari. And you're shaking your head like, don't even try it. Sorry, right, well, no. ESOC. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I read your beta. Just a portion. That, that was not the full breadth of, of all the professional scholarly things you've done. You know, brother, I'm impressed. Uh, I'm looking at, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to turn the TV on one day and say, hey, we talked to him, you know, to, for both of you, really. But, uh, but please share with our listening audience uh, your demonstrated passion for research at the intersection, as it's listed, of emerging technologies and policies related to, of all things, artificial intelligence, namely policies governing, governing the use of AI and your startup, which was fair frame. So, so please take a moment and just educate us on that. Well, thank, thank you for those very kind words. Um, I'll make sure to not tell my wife, uh, you know, lest she write a letter to the editor or something, you know. Um, but um, but uh, before, before I get into your, to your question, I, I think that it's important to highlight the fact that the reason why we're doing what we're doing is because the aspirations of our country are great, but the realities don't always match those aspirations, right? And it is not good enough for us to sort of rest on our laurels and say, hey, well, we've done X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter what what matters is where are we going to and what can we do together, right? Um, and so, so, so I understand that um, that elections are won by hard work and by collective action, right? And so, I am definitely not running on my CV, but rather on the on the need to make change in America and my deep rooted belief that together as a community we really can reach toward those those higher aspirations of our country, right? Um, but so, a lot of my work has been about thinking about how do we how do we prepare for future change, right? Um, a lot of this started off with there's a lot of emerging technologies that people, you know, and governments particularly are um, and many times afraid of and feeling that we didn't have the capacity to respond to what was down the road five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. Um, and so, so much of my work has been about how do we build the capacity, the resilience, um, the infrastructure to support the eventualities that we know are down the road, right? And so what I see right now, and we're living in the midst of a pandemic that we just have to look a couple of, you know, a couple of years back, people were saying people like Bill Gates were on Ted talking about exactly this is what's going to happen, right? And, and so, so we know the things that are about to happen, we know the challenges that are about to happen. And so my sort of passion for running is all about how do we build those infrastructures to make sure that, the, that, that we avoid catastrophe, right? Um, and that we continue to make progress toward, uh, toward, you know, um, great goodness that, that, that we could, right? Um, so, so that's really, if I, if I were to sort of summarize the work that I do and tie that into how, why and how I'm running, um, that would be, I think, in, in one word, um, my answer. Well, you know, I, I, um, an additional part of that question did deal with your desire to develop policies. And I, and I think in this present day and age, one of the concerns that I have 
uh, as far as uh, tons of my information being taken, stolen, and um, just casual use of the internet can devastate right. you if you're not careful. Right. Uh, at, at my place of employment, we go through all types of protocols as far as how to manage or how to uh, store and destroy or right. archive right. data. Right. And then I just recently read where facial recognition is going to be ratcheted up, where that may, may in the opinion of some, replace the social security number. Think about that. Now, now, now what policies are, are you going to put in place for us, especially the three of us looking at you right now, <laughs> to protect us? If, right. uh, you know, I mean, they're doppelgangers out there. You yep. know, they're people that may look like us, but then they're crafty folk that can get on there and tweak things a little bit. And all of a sudden, take on our person, our, our identity. Right, right. So, 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 I, I, I talk about the need for a digital bill of rights, and um, and to make that as plain as 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 we can. We have all of these implicit rights, like things like privacy, right? But we haven't stopped to think about what that actually means in an internet connected um, digital world, right? And so, can you imagine if you were to go into a store in Bloomington and they were to treat you the way that Facebook treats you or Amazon treats you when you walk in, right? That they said before you come in this door here are our terms and conditions that you have to accept right and it's cold outside but you got to read them and then once you get through they go okay one next thing we want we want to make sure that we can share information that we are capturing about you as you're walking through this place right and so they say we're going to assign somebody to walk next to you while you walk to the store and they're going to ask you questions about your friends about your likes about your dislikes they're going to make a whole psychometric profile about you right none of us would accept that right we'd be like this is unreasonable search and seizure right like like you are you are not respecting my autonomy you're not respecting my privacy you're not giving me the right to be left alone right so in the physical world that makes sense but then when we look in the digital world we act like like you know, all bets are off, right? Like, like, like the, the big companies can just treat us however they want to, right? And that we're just, we just have to accept it. Our option, the illusion of choice that we have right now as Americans is not use the platform, right? Or get abused. That's it. And so we need to start thinking about how do we how do we make sure that the rights that we have in the physical world are reflected um, in in the digital world? And I think that's the starting place. Right. To me, the first one is privacy. um, But then the second one is things like access to my own data. So I should be able right now to go to Facebook and say, what do you know about me? Right. I want to know what you know and how you're using that data. Right. And I have the right also to say, you know what, I want you to forget about me. Right. I need you to shred all the data that you have about me and stop selling it. Okay, Um, and amongst so many other things that that, that come from that. So so when I think about a digital bill of rights, that's what I'm talking about, is that we need to be secure, safe, you know, uh, respected individuals online as we are um, in, in the physical realm. The voice you just heard is the, the eminent scholar, uh, Isak Ntiasari, who's a faculty member at Indiana University and is a candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in Indiana's 9th Congressional District. We are also speaking to uh, this evening, uh, Ms. Jennifer Crossley, a woman of first. She was the first Black woman to chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party, and now she is the first Black woman to serve on the Monroe County Council. I want to turn this back over to Natalia, but as you were talking earlier about someone uh, shadowing you through a department store, to me, I was 
getting the thought and, and imagination that this is the new age of profiling uh, for we people of color, not just people of color now, this is more global, but now it's a sense of how we felt going to a department store, people breaking their neck to run over and say, well, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, you can push this cart while I go shopping or something. But, um, you know, you speak about a future where, you know, it's, there are roadblocks already. In order for us to use some software, we have to click accept. We don't have time to read 20 pages of the conditions. But nevertheless, you're, what you're saying is we may have just given permission unbeknownst to us for more further intrusion. So I'm going to turn it over to my co-anchor, Natalia, to sort of follow up on that or go in any direction you want. But I just had to get that off my chest because this is relevant for, for today's age. No, I please, by all means, you know, uh, answer that because then I want to kind of pivot to what are some of your um, takeaways in, in the district. So as you've been getting out in the district, I kind of want to hear about what what you've been seeing in our new ninth district. So, but please, because I, 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 I'm curious, too. I'm like, I'm just as guilty, like Clarence says, just scroll, scroll to the bottom, except I got to move on. I don't have an hour to read this and Google all what, what the words mean to kind right. of understand it. Anyway. Right. And, and I think simply to me, it's since when did, did the person selling get to set the terms and conditions? It's supposed to be the buyer who, who sets the terms and conditions. So I'm supposed to say, here are my terms and conditions before I use your service. <laughs> right. Um, but we don't have a mechanism for that. And so, you know, I think just to tie that thought full circle, it's that there is this huge and amazing potential with tools like the internet and, and emerging technology like artificial intelligence. There's all of these cool things that we can do and all of these big problems that we could help solve. Right. But it's not going to happen unless we put an infrastructure in place place um, to protect the sort of basic, the basic elements of this. And that, that's humans. Like we need to protect the humans that are interacting and supporting that system. Um, and so, so I think that sort of sums, sums that up. I would love to talk more about this though. Of course, if people want to reach out, you know, I'm happy to, I could talk for days about this conversation. So. <laughs> no, for sure. So I, so I'll pivot a little bit. Um, so as we've seen in, as a resident of the ninth district, our, uh, our district shape has changed, right? So we went from 13 to, um, if I get this wrong, I'm going to be real disappointed with this. I think 18 and a half counties. Yes. Yes. Okay. We went to 18 and a half counties, uh, and totally kind of changed it. So now instead of going, um, kind of just south and then over, now we're going, uh, kind of southeast and then to the Ohio border where we typically haven't been so far. So I I would love your thoughts on as I I know I met you um, a couple weeks ago right before Thanksgiving over in Scott or right at, yeah right before Thanksgiving in Scott County. Um, what what some of your um, find or you know some of your interactions and reaching out to constituents in in all in the new district what that's been like. Right. And I'd, I'd also love to hear from Councilwoman Crossley on this um, in her former role as Chairwoman Crossley. <laughs> but um, from, from my perspective, I am actually quite excited about the new district. I think that, um, that you know, we, we talk a lot about gerrymandering and there, there's some evidence of that, right? And, you know, that's the conversation for another time. But I think by and large now, this sort of southeastern district, it makes a lot of sense together. Right. Um, and and I think that there are the five counties that were added to this district were counties that were 
previously in the sixth district and genuinely nobody was was doing much there i mean like because they were they were together with muncie and places like that and so so the 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 the, the difference um socioeconomic differences cultural differences and so on between sort of where most of the votes were in these counties was so vast that democrats and republicans weren't even even on the ground here, right? And so it's a huge opportunity um, for us as a party to reach voters who haven't, who sort of been left out of the democratic process um, for, for the last 10 years um, and to really begin to build an infrastructure that, and the work that, that people, you know, that people are doing to do this work that, you know, the two of you have done so much already and of just building an infrastructure that's lasting, that's sustainable, right? Where we can, where, where, where we can work together to make change at every level, um, you know, I think is the main thing. And then just to cycle back um, to what Chairwoman Crossley was saying um, earlier, I, I'm sorry, Councilwoman Crossley was saying um, is that what we need is every level of our government to work together. And, and, and that means also that we need all of our candidates to do the same, right? But that's doesn't just happen like it's not just like we all roll out of bed and all you know everything just works in harmony right and so we need to create the infrastructures and the structures to make that possible um and so i really see a great opportunity to do that across this district i would i just extend the same question to you jennifer what do you see about the new congressional district that you live in i know your your uh focus is going to change a little bit going from a county chair as part of you know 13 chairs like that you're part of with that district level, mm-hmm. you know, executive um, uh, access into uh, a different focus and a pivot. But what are your thoughts about about our new our new district? Yeah, how so be more inclusive. Hey, well, I, I think Isak was right. Like, you know, it is it's trying to bring in those people to the fold that we have not ever like we've taken for granted, both Republican and Democrat alike. I, I think. You know, we look at our rural area and just go, ah, well, they're Republican, just let it go. But to be honest, the policies that are being put in place in Congress and and in state as well, like these are really the those are being impacted by those folks that live in those communities. So I, I think we do a disservice just to just brush them off to the side. But it's the work that I see um, that you, Natalia, are doing, especially at the state level, and it's pushing so hard to make sure that, you know, our district chairs and, and our state chair, like, and vice chair and whomever, really understand the, the meat and potatoes of what it means to be more inclusive. Um, and so trying to come out and doing more of that work and reaching and going out and things like that. Yeah, we lost. Um, what, like Orange County and, and some other ones that are just like, eh, really didn't make a difference. So uh, I love the people of Orange County. Um, but maybe if we get a little bit more, you know, it's just like, uh, just we lost them. But not focusing on the loss, but our gains in that. And then we also look at um, you know, here, like state-wise, how the state race ha- will, like, shape up and things like that. So I think, you know, the congressional district is going to be interesting. Um, I know people feel very jaded because of, you know, previous years and candidates that have just worked so hard to try to make a change and really have lost, um, and, you know, lost in numbers that we didn't really think that we could lose it. But I do feel like, 
there is new energy that's coming. And, you know, with the, all of the candidates, especially with Isak, like he brings a fresh perspective and we should be welcoming that. Like not just looking at him to the side, going, mm, who is he? Where is he coming from? All of that stuff. Why is he coming so late to the game or any of those things? But looking at how he could potentially shape and mold this area to something better and bigger. And so that's that's how you do it. You know, you, you look at, uh, as you're describing, the dynamic of embracing one county that previously may not have been on a political radar because you were not part of the district. But then again, you lose those counties that you have been working with. And um, I know Orange County will be represented well, but that's the complexity of gerrymandering or, or redistricting. I, I'd rather lean on gerrymandering when it's when the party in power is not the particular party I support. <laughs> but when we're in power, I would like to think that we use a little bit more wisdom and diligence and how we sort of redraw maps to better represent. And people will debate that. And, and this isn't necessarily the forum to do that. We had a wonderful show a couple of weeks ago, and I believe Natalia, you were a part of that. So uh, go to our archives at www.wfhp.org. Bring it on and just just check it out and just search for us. But nevertheless, uh, one thing, uh, Jennifer, you know, many people have been observing your rise in politics at, at a local level. I mean, you got involved, as uh, Natalia said, or I believe it was uh, Moms. Uh, let me make, okay, Moms Demand Action. Mm-hmm. And oh boy. And, and she said she was inspired by a speech you gave there. And I could see, I don't even know what the topic was, <laughs> but if it was maybe the, the backpacks are too heavy and they need to get light, I don't know. But whatever it was, I could just see you uh, uh, laying it down, uh, laying the policy down. But nevertheless, you're rising, in my opinion, you're, you're, you're a rising star in local politics. And, and the HTA wrote a beautiful article on you. And with party leaders in the state, perhaps, and no doubt discussing your potential more and more, uh, what future aspirations do you have? Oh, you know, I, my son wants me to be president. Um, So (laughs) he always goes, can you do that so that you, um, so we don't have to go to school? Um, Can you please do that? As he's like trying to come here in the background and try to shift things up. So, um, I think for me, future-wise, you know, it'd be silly to not say that I I don't want to go higher um, and, you know, and and potentially maybe possibly go into state and do I dare say federal level. Um, But I definitely think that, you know, for me right now, it's just finessing my role and running for re-election. Um, for next year because I literally turn around and I was at work today I was making a list of things that I need to do for um, the upcoming primaries so and not taking anything for granted uh, at all so but yes so that's but you know and focusing on my future I, I think about my past and I think of how I got here because yes I definitely got involved in mom's demand because something near and dear uh, happened. My brother in 2004 was uh, shot and killed in Chicago. And to this day, we still don't have justice for him. And so, you know, that has molded me into, you know, where I, I've, I, I am. And I'm very passionate um, about those, um, you know, having experienced gun violence. I remember 
in seventh grade, one of my classmates, I'll never forget her name, Melinda Underwood. Um, it was shot and killed, wrong place at the wrong time and, you know, lost her life. And so I always try to use whatever it is that has impacted me the most. And, you know, I've heard, I think Robin Roberts says this sometimes, make your mess your message. Um, and so I always try to not look at things that are just, you know, devastating to me, but also using that as a platform for me to go higher and whatever it is I do. So future holds something hopefully bigger, <laughs> bigger, uh, but definitely right now I'm just so, um, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on doing what we need to do here in Monroe County, especially in District 4. Well, I, I can understand how you said, yeah, I could celebrate on the 20th of December all the way through the 25th, but now here, this, that next week, it's, it's back to business of, of taking care of business. And yeah. I appreciate that. Um, just one follow-up, and, and then I'll turn things over to Natalia. Uh, you mentioned, of course, those, those life incidents that sort of shape us and galvanize us. Um, the loss of a friend and, and then again, the loss of a family member, tragically, the gun violence. So what now as a mother is your hope for your children's future as they're being raised in Monroe County? Ooh, you about to make me cry on this show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I... If you know me, like in pre-pandemic, everybody knows that when you saw me, um, you would also see, I used to call them my three little ducklings who are not so very little anymore. And I've grown up a lot over these past few years. And so they know that their mom, wherever they go, will make sure that, you know, that mommy is working hard for them and those that look like them and anybody like she represents the community. So for me, my kids and what I would hope for them here in the county is just to um, be uh, dignified and be well-respected and know that mom has their back <laughs> wherever it, we need to go. Um, the school knows me, all the sc like schools know me, their elementary school knows me on a first name basis. And it's not just because I'm coming in here saying, do you know who I am or anything like that? But I've always, I looked at my mom, who was a working mom, and we would walk to my grandmother's house after school and um, would wait for her. And then after she'd get off of work, we'd, you know, have dinner and then go right back to school for PTA meetings, because up north, that's what we call them, PTA meetings. And so she instilled that in me. And that's what I'm wanting to instill in my kids is that it doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you have or their lack thereof, like that that mom is going to be working um, for the better good of them and the rest of the community. I'm gonna throw it to Isak. I'm like that, I, I just feel that so hard because I remember, and this is kind of le leading to my question for Isak. Um, so besides the mom's demand, which her, Jennifer's right, her family's always been super supportive in the, I remember the, the church that um, it was after, you know, uh, a, a shooting, it, all the, um, all of her children came to support her, right? And support her and like, 
when her mom spoke and, and all of that. And, um, and I remember how they helped during Liz Watson's race. So that was my, I uh, just, uh, I'm a post uh, 2016 volunteer too, that just got real too involved, right? Just kind of went all in, but Liz Watson's race was my first um, congressional race in 18. That was my, actually my first political race that I really was super involved with. So uh, going to ESOC, um, I canvassed, Scott County, knocked doors in Bedford. Uh, I, I, I think I, I got the pin for hitting all the counties for canvassing, which was not easy as um, a Latinx, as a Latinx volunteer, but I just, I felt committed to the cause. So as, you know, you were talking to your family and deciding, you know, where, where can I best serve and all this, how, uh, tell me a little bit about that journey to, um, coming to this decision to say, you know what, this is for me, like this, I got to do this, because it's work, right? Like, this is not just glory and glamour. It is, in fact, like 5% of that, and 95% work. So what, what, uh, yeah, just kind of lead me through that. That is so interesting to me. Yeah, and I think it, it ties really well into to to what what Jennifer was just saying. Um, You know, we're, we don't run for office because we need better jobs, right? Like, it's not like, you know, I just want to put something on my CV or, you know, like, like that, or I want the experience or something like that. We run because they're fundamental flaws in our society that we think that can be improved by the political process right and things that we care about and 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 the sentiment that other people maybe weren't caring about this the way that I felt that they should and and coming to a conclusion of being like look like we're we're living in a time where our house is on fire Right. And 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 it's not for us as young people, certainly not for us as minorities to say, you know what, let's wait our turn, Um, because if not now, then when somebody has to tell me like and you can't give me an answer because because if we keep waiting at the end of the day, what we're waiting for may not be there if we don't act now, you know, and so from from our crumbling health infrastructure to 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 issues like the 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 burning Amazon, which has been on fire for the last two and a half years, to to the ravaging pandemic, which is continuing because of political incompetence, and so on and so forth. Like we have to act. And so with with me, we were we my wife and I started having that conversation and just saying, you know, I, 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 I we need to have some change and it was in the middle of the pandemic and i'm sorry at the right the beginning of it that um our our current congressman came out and said that he was okay basically with with people dying as long as the economy was okay and 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 that to me was just like okay like like it's time for us to do something Right. And um, and so from that, that's sort of been the conviction that I've carried on. Um, And like you said, I I, I really think we have to echo that again, that this isn't about glory. This is about work and it's about coming together as a community. I think the fundamental belief in America is it says in the Declaration of Independence, right, that 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 when citizens feel like the society that they live in is not giving them the or protecting their rights and liberties to the best. Right. That, that, that it is their responsibility to come together and make such a government that will. And so that's the time that we're living in. And um, and that's why that's why I'm running. 
voice you just heard uh, was Isak Ntiasari, a faculty member at IU and also a candidate for U.S. House of Representatives in Indiana's 9th Congressional District. We've also heard from Jennifer Crossley, uh, who is the um, Monroe County Council woman, but also the first Black woman to serve in that capacity. And we're so privileged and fortunate to have them on Bring It On this evening. Um, Talia, I think you have a follow-up for, uh, for either one. I do. So something you, you said a lot of amazing things right now, but one thing uh, in particular, something that I want both of your opinions on, because Jennifer and I have had so many uh, like long conversations about building the bench, right? And about waiting your turn and about all of this. In fact, um, Representative Pryor was on Bring It On that I was lucky to guest host a couple weeks ago, talking about gerrymandering, but it, it led into that, right? Because all these issues are intersectional and interrelated, especially for people of color, right? So um, how can we be better? Right. So I serve on the state central committee for the party and there are so many things we need to do better. And I'll just leave it at that, because if not, I'll just say too much. Just keep on going. But what do you think we could do to be better and build that bench, especially for candidates of color, um, as as you both are, you know, uh, has seen, um, I'm sure, many ways that we can be better. You want to go first, Jen, or you want me to? I was going to say, you go. I'll give a shorter answer. Um, I, I, think that, I think that the role of the party is to organize people and then to encourage people to go for office. It is in our interest that we have the best candidates um, and we have a lot of candidates running for office. You talk about 18 counties in this district. There is no way that I can knock on every door in 18 counties. And even if I raise, you know, as much as Trey Hollinsworth, which I will, but even if I raise $3 million, okay, I will not be able with $3 million to reach the 795,000 people in this district. But what can happen is that the five of us run and could right? And, and, and from that will emerge coalitions, from that will emerge better ideas, right? Now, the party's role should be, oh, you want to run? Here's all the information that you need. Go, do it. If you can get, you know what I'm saying? This is the next things you need to do, go and work. But instead, and I don't, I, I, I want to make sure I'm saying this with all respect, this is my personal lived experience. So, so, so please don't take this out of context. But instead, a lot of these infrastructures that we put up end up being gatekeepers that keep people out. And so you go and you say, hey, I'm ready to run. And people are putting all of these obstacles in front of you, like so that you can prove that you're up to their task of doing it or something like that. And I'm like, I'm not trying to prove anything to you. We're trying to work together to make change that I thought you believed in too, right? And so, so, so how can we be better? I think number one is that we can start opening those doors and start making it clear. Now, as a person who, I mean, you know, Clarence keeps keeps making me seem way more intelligent than I am. But but as a person who, who went to the University of Oxford, it took me like a year to figure out all the paperwork that I had to file, okay? Like, it's not simple. But other people knew this, and I wish somebody would have just been like, here, step one, step two, step three. Here's some people you can talk to. We're, we're going to help you out. And when you get to this stage, let us know, you know, type of thing. So I think that that's one thing. And the second thing is start encouraging young people to run. This, this, this nonsense about... Our, our le most of our leaders couldn't have jobs in the private sector. 
because they, they'd be they'd be forced to retire. And we're like, that's the person we want to lead us into the future. That makes no sense. Right. And so we want to encourage young people to run. Um, and so we need, again, build the infrastructure so that that can happen. And then the last thing I'll say is we need to get rid of this notion of a bench to begin with, because everybody's on the bench. <laughs> right. Like this this notion that like I'll run for coroner, you know, and then I'll buy my time there and then I'll run for city. I'll do people favors, then run for city council then. And I'm like, and ultimately I care about healthcare, right? I care about these big federal issues. And you're saying run for coroner first, right? Like, so, so you can like, that doesn't make sense. As long as I'm not active, I'm on the bench. And so, you know, I think that we need to just shake up the entire populace and say, we want everybody to run and we're going to make it as easy as possible. We want everybody engaged at some level in the political process. Jennifer? Yeah, well, let the church say amen for that hey, because, <laughs> because that is so good. And so, like, I don't even really have too much to add because I literally, we could do, like, two shows um, about this, right? And hmm, so... Good idea. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. And then I'll come back on. And so, um, yeah, so Isak basically said everything... Um, that I was telling, but what I will add is all politics are local, right? So what you don't know is what you don't know. And so when you are um, here locally and you don't know what's going on, like it all goes back to your local, um, getting involved with, you know, the party and trying to make sure that it's open. That was one of my biggest things is trying to make sure that it was fair and equitable and everybody knew what was going on. Uh, we don't have chairs, Democratic chairs um, in this state that do those things. And they are gatekeepers and they keep things away from people. Um, and we'll even say, oh, well, you need to come and talk to me before you think about running for this. Well, who the heck do you think that you are if I need to come talk to you to be a precinct chair? Um, if you just have general questions, yeah, let's go ahead and let's talk about that. But yes, making sure that, you know, we, we know what's going on. Um, and also, you know, being an encouraging. And the other thing that I will say is, if you feel that you are very safe when you are running for office and you see somebody that is on the up and up, it might be okay to step aside. Like literally it is okay to step aside and say, I know that this might seem to be that this is a good choice for me, but I see how hard this person of color is working. And this is where I'm going to not talk about it, but I'm also going to be about it. And now I'm going to step aside to make room because they always talk about how, you know, women are asked, you know, men don't really have to be asked all these different times to run because they believe it. And then women have to be asked several different times. Well, what happens if you have a black man or a black woman or another person of color that is wanting to run for office. We don't get asked. The questions that I would get asked is, well, why do you think it's you? Or do you think it's your turn? Or maybe it's not your turn. Maybe you should step aside. No, 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 no. Maybe you should step aside and help me on my future and what I'm trying to do. And that's what we can do. And if we see this and we see new faces and new changes, I can guarantee you, I, I think our party will be better than how we, we saw it. But people are going to have to move aside and be open to change. And, and if you're talking about being progressive in your values, then that's a start. 
because progress doesn't happen. Being progressive does not happen without progress. I feel like I'm at a rally, uh, but I like what I'm hearing. Um, as we're sort of rounding the third turn and sort of heading home, believe it or not, our time is almost away, but there are a couple of questions that we need to ask uh, for both of you, uh, incorporating your guiding principles that, that sort of govern what you do. As a county councilwoman, what are your top, top two or three legislative priorities? And as an aspiring congressional representative, what are your top regarding or, or your top legislative priorities. So we'll defer to uh, the lady who passionately just spoke. So Jennifer, what are your top legislative priorities? Um, I think, again, my top legislative priorities um, is to, um, I think I mentioned this earlier, and I, I'm very, very, very passionate and very serious about it, is trying to um, get something that's better for those that are experiencing homelessness. That is definitely something that is near and dear to me. Um, and then the second one for me um, would be the criminal justice system and, and working hand in hand with that here in our county. Um, for me, number one is a national health care plan. I think that um, all of the rights that we have as Americans necessitate health care being viewed as a right. Um, number two is a um, is is an economic sort of basic level of living for everyone, right? Um, that that we have a basic standard of living across this country, um, and that includes jobs, that includes income, um, that includes homes, and the third one is 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 digital rights, particularly privacy. And I want to defer to Natalia. She's she's got a burning question. Um, I, uh, I, I would like to just ask a really quick one. Um, how can people kind of look for you? I know you both have primaries. Um, how, how will, uh, how can people find you? With me is super easy. Um, I'm on all the social media platforms. It's at ESOC for Congress. Our website is ESOC, I-S-A-K, for Congress.com. Um, and then also we'll be um, in, in all the districts doing listening sessions, um, town halls, knocking on doors. Um, you can also just email me at ESOC, at ESOC for Congress.com. Um, I clearly just want you to remember my name. See, so, um, but if, um, so if you can get in touch any of those ways, I am always available ready for a call, uh, email, um, happy to come to your church or your home or whatever um, to talk to you. Um, so easy to get a hold of me. Uh, and please spell your name because um, it's I-S-A-K. I-S-A-K. Yeah. So ESOC and for Congress, you'll find me. ESOC for Congress. And uh, yeah, I was going to say um, for me, we're still trying to finesse um, everything and trying to make sure that um, we're getting everything ready for the primary that we have here. But you can still find me. Um, I am on Facebook, Jennifer Crossley, and then on Instagram as the Jennifer underscore Crossley. And that is C-R-O-S-S-L-E-Y. Um, but yeah, more details come in soon with all of that. And we are finalizing and here soon in the next few weeks, everything will be released. Right. Yeah, filing filing starts January fifth. I'm like mm-hmm. another holiday. So. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, we we sort of come to that point. We have just a few more minutes left, but there are a couple points that we need to touch on. Okay, for both of you, what is your prescription for resolving the gridlock in local, state, and national politics? As if 
it doesn't exist. Yeah, it exists. And what would you share with disillusioned voters who are turned off by the three-ring circus atmosphere of what the media is portraying in politics? So how are you going to conquer, for instance, the big lie that's out there? And we'll flip a coin, and he's like, you're up. <laughs> okay, so I have two sort of radical ideas for how you do this. One is that we could have universal compulsory voting. Um, by doing that, it would it would immediately address the um, the polarization in our country and force politicians to deal with a broader range of people than just the you know that handful of people who are controlling things. The second one is that we could get money out of politics by giving every American fifty dollars to vote with, um, and we could flush out we could flush out lobby money. Um, I think would also make make a huge difference. But fundamentally, if both of those things seem too radical, uh, a, a much more accessible thing to do is vote for candidates that, you know, are new, um, new perspectives that are younger, that actually reflect um, the future that you want to see. Um, I think that that's probably the most immediate thing um, that people can do right now to see change. All right. Uh, Jennifer? Yeah. And to echo off of that, I think we also can look into term limits because we get very complacent with, you know, some things. Um, And when we get complacent, we see what we get, especially and, you know, with Senator Joe Manchin right now um, and how much he's hard, like pushing very hard in that. And and he's a Democrat. Right. Um, But, yeah, trying to make sure that we have new faces, new vision for the party. as well, but I also think we need to flex a little and turn up the heat. I think sometimes we as Democrats are a little too nice and we need to turn it up because Republicans have been doing it for a very long time and there is no reason why we cannot, we don't have to be as divisive and as gross in certain aspects as what they do, but I think we need to turn up the heat. And when you start doing that and really truly talking to the people and for the people instead of at the people, then I think we can start to see some change. But until then, we're at where we're at. Awesome. I think my final question is, um, is, is there something that we haven't touched on? And what do you want our listeners to remember about you? Oh, either one, both of you. You know, you know she just said, she just said yeah. that Democrats can be too nice. <laughs> And they yeah. both waited for the other. Okay, <laughs> Jennifer, go, go right ahead, Jennifer. <laughs> and then we look at each other, right? Right. Um, I, I feel like, ooh, um, I know we don't have much time here. Um, repeat that question one more time. Sorry. Yeah. No. If there's anything we haven't touched on, and what you oh. want, you know, our listeners to remember, representation matters. Um, representation truly matters it matters and it matters and for one of us to make it a hundred of us have to try and that is the great quote from AOC and I hope I didn't butcher it <laughs> if I were to leave everybody with one message it would just be it would just be that now is our time and I think that everyone across this nation has this sort of I'll call it like a holy you know like we can't wait any longer, you know, sort of fed upness uh, or, you know, desperation or whatever. Um, and so if, 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 if I've communicated anything, I hope that it's, you know, if not now, when, and when we get together, we can actually make significant change in our community. So I have great hope for that. Okay. Back to this quote by Rachel. 
it's not enough to demand justice for a week and simply move on. If we want to make real change in this country, referring to the United States, that change needs to be reflected in our leaders, starting at the local level. Black people are tired of their country, consistently putting in the work to remind us that Black lives and brown lives, red lives, have and always will matter. I sort of added to her quote, but we are just really thankful to have uh, both Monroe County Councilwoman Jennifer Crossley, an aspiring candidate for U.S. House of Representatives in Indiana's 9th Congressional District, IU Professor Isak N.T. Asari, for joining us to speak toward their dedication and aspirations to the Black public servants for their communities and country. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Also, if you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you heard of tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Bring It On's executive producer is Clarence Boone. Assistant producer is William Hosea. Show consultant and WFHB News Department Director is Kate Young. Program engineer is Chantal Lafontante. Original theme music was created by Jamil Ethiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Natalia Galvin. And I'm Clarence Boone. Thanks for starting off 2022 with us. And be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station. WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.